Amen. Let's turn our Bibles to First Peter chapter, Second Peter, sorry, chapter one. We're going to read from verse five to eight. That will be our main text. Second Peter chapter one, from verse five to eight. Let's read it. Go. In the view of all, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence and moral excellence with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with patient endurance, and patient endurance with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with, with love for everyone. Amen. That is our main text. This passage of the scripture brings a testimony or should I say a person's life story to mind for me. Brother Simon, three years ago, became a Christian. Three years ago, wasn't it? It may not be up to three years now. That was when he became a Christian. And I've watched this young man, <laughs> I've watched this young man grow so fast in God, mature so quickly in the things of God. I'm not saying he's perfect. Well, he is perfect, by the way, because we are all perfect. Yeah, but if you know what I mean, there will still be areas where we are learning to mature in. And I've watched him grow so quickly in a way that makes me jealous because I didn't grow that quickly as a Christian. It took me longer, took me many more years to come to maybe where he is now. Maybe what would have taken me almost 20 years, I see him there straight away in three years. And that to me is spiritual maturity in progress or in pro literally lived out experience. I felt to use someone as an example so that we could understand when I start going into this message why, what, this mes what spiritual maturity is about. You see someone just become a Christian newly, but it wasn't long after that, I think even in the same year, if not maybe 2017, okay, 2018, you see the same person now teaching others. You see the same person now living out the life of Godliness in his family, in his home, in everything that concerns him, in his business. Changed his business, the way he's doing his business, the way he's living his life, the way he's making his choices. Why am I sharing Simon's story? I'm not trying to make him feel bigger than he feels already. <laughs> but I'm sharing that because this scripture, it was two days after he became a Christian, that's the scripture that God gave him revelation of. God gave him a revelation of this scripture. Let's read it again from verse 5. From verse 5. It says, make every effort to respond to God's promises. 
Fine. Now, this young man became a Christian, so what happened that he had faith? But God gave him clear revelation because he was quoting that scripture to me off by head without anyone teaching him. I didn't tell him, but God opened up the scripture. He says, add to your faith. Now, they started adding things. Add to your faith moral excellence. It's not enough to become a Christian and live how you want to live any and not care about how you're, you've been doing things. Add moral excellence. But don't just stop in, stop in moral excellence. You've got to add knowledge. You've got to start reading the Bible to understand this new God you've just signed up to or you've given your life to. That was evidence in his life. Not only knowledge, because knowledge in itself can puff you up. And cause you a problem. Because you, you become a Christian, now you've started maybe stopping some few things, adding some moral excellence. It doesn't mean you've become perfect, it's just that now you try to not do some things. And even if you make a mistake, you say, God, I'm sorry about that. That's moral excellence. The heart is changed. Yeah? But it's not adding scriptures. So that thing is not based on some sort of thing maybe Pastor King said. No, but what he is learning from the word of God. But if he does that alone and do not have, oh my goodness, I need that scriptures up there, please. Um, and do not add self-control to that, what you become is a bigot. A spiritual bigot that causes more problem. And we see that a lot in Christians. Because now they've stopped smoking, they can't live with people who are smoking. Because now they don't fornicate. They see people who are fornicating as if they are nothing. They don't know that what you were saved from does not make you more better than the other person. It was the same love that saved you that will save them. So self-control is now needed when knowledge comes. Because it's not everything I always say here that God says to you that you need to say. That's self-control. Yeah? But it's not just self-control in terms of knowledge, but it's also self-control in other things. But you want to also add to your self-control patience. It's not the kind of self-control, you know what, maybe I'm just holding back for a minute, but I'm just going to, oh, I can't wait, 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 I can't wait. That's not endurance. Endurance now means that even if you, you come to that point, you've now controlled yourself, but you add to it, God, if you never even give me a chance to say this, it's fine. If you never give me a chance to get this, it is fine. I'm trusting you for this. Patient endurance means that I'm going to keep believing you that it's going to come right now. But if it tarries for 25 years, it's not going to change how I am relating with you. It's not going to adjust anything. People with a bit of self-control that lacks self-patient endurance, quit in two weeks after controlling themselves. Two weeks of controlling yourself at some point, like, that's it, I'm tired of this God. If he said they love me, why didn't he make a way for me? Why didn't he change things? I've waited. Didn't I wait? Did you not see me wait? You saw me wait, didn't you? Patient endurance. And then you want to also add to patient endurance, godliness. What is that? 
It's not, the godliness means now everything you're doing, you're doing it as unto the Lord, is your devotion to God. Because you could do all those things and become self-focused. I've become morally good. I've gained knowledge. I've, uh, I've learned patient endurance. I've become self-controlled. But are you doing everything as unto the Lord? Yeah? Godliness. Make it all about God. Again, is the things I saw this young man was doing. But one of the new things that also happened to him when he became a Christian was that all of a sudden, he div- you see brotherly affection. What's brotherly affection? Affection towards God's people. Heart for God's people. I'm not talking about just unbelievers now, the children of God. Because when you become a Christian, you, before you become a Christian, you have friends. You know, your cliques, that is not unbelievers. Then God brings into his household. If you do not develop brotherly affection for the ones in God's household, you're not going to grow and mature. That is just the truth. Many Christians' growth have been stopped or halted because they stay in church, but they don't love people in church. They love people outside the church. I'm not saying your best friend cannot be an unbeliever, but I'm saying if you cherish an unbelieving friend more than you cherish the friends that God has given you in his house, that you share things in common in terms of Christ, it holds and slows down your spiritual growth. Did you get what I'm saying? I can tell you a story with this young man again and that. When he became a Christian, even in the body of Christ, you could actually come into church and you go and, you know, you have an old self that you haven't let go. The people you will be attracted to in church, first of all, more likely will be the people who have that kind of old self that are not letting go. This happened to him physically. He started mingling with some people in church that I felt, "Mm, these ones are not going to help your growth. I usually don't like to kind of middle at all in people's life as a person that just generally I am that way but in this particular case I felt that for once I would say God gave me that kind of a thing of a father a responsibility as a father I'm not saying I'm his father please don't misunderstand me but that in that particular case God gave me a responsibility as a father and said call that young man and tell him stop associating with this person they are Christians by the way in the same church. Don't associate with that person if you want to grow. And he listened. And he what? Listened. You will understand what I'm saying. Listen later. He listened. I'm saying why did this young man in three years or less than three years go from being fed to feeding others. In that short space of time, play with, please bear with me that I, I have to use a physical person so we can understand what I'm saying, okay? Now, but he 
changed and started associating with the people who are ahead of you in where you want to go. Very, very important. What you respect comes to you. I've noticed that people who, let me use this as an example, but you, hopefully you understand me. I've noticed that people who hate rich people usually stay poor. I don't know why, but they do. You could hate it. If you hate a rich person, why? What you respect comes to use. That's my point. Yeah? When you respect someone who speaks eloquent and orderly and manners behave well and all that, all of a sudden, before you know it, you are that way. The kind of pastors I listen to and respect highly, I, before even I started preaching the word, are people who, who are so clear in presentation. They are more eloquent than I am, by the way. <laughs> but they are so clear, their points, it's very clearly laid, Pastor Robert Morris. I love the clarity of the teaching, the well-researched that goes behind it. And I don't know, one way or the other, it seems like my life is patterned in that way, not because I've ever met him, but because I respect that. So what you respect does what? Come to you. So when he started developing brotherly affection for those who are walking in Christ, Paul says, follow me as I follow Jesus. Yeah? If you start respecting people who are like that, you start learning from them and gleaning from them more and more. But it didn't stop there. You also need to add not just loving people in church. Add to your brotherly affection what? Love for everyone. Love for everyone. Love for the homeless. Love for the poor. Love for those who don't have. I also saw that in the life of this young man and he hasn't quenched that is growing and growing and growing. My point here is, verse 8 is my point. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Key words there are productive and useful. Three weeks ago, I spoke about the gift of the Holy Spirit or spiritual gift. And we looked at our main text was that the spiritual gift, the main, our main text is, is this. I'll read it quickly. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. The purpose, the whole purpose of spiritual gift is so that you could be what? Useful. And today, I'm telling us now, spiritual maturity is saying, the more you all grow in maturing in the spirit, the more productive and helpful you actually will be in your work with Christ. Okay, let me hold this together before I give us the points for today. It is more important to desire spiritual maturity than to desire a spiritual gift. If you get anything at all today, get this. As much as I talked about spiritual gift last week, and Paul said to us, desire earnestly spiritual gift, remember towards the end of that, Paul said, but let me show you a more 
excellent way, which means there is something more important than all that he has said. Desire earnestly spiritual gift. But let me show you something bigger than that. And that thing I'm, he said is bigger than that is what I'm presenting to us today. And that is spiritual maturity. In a short way, it is love. Amen. It is what? Love. So, before we go any further, I'm going to paint a picture of the opposite of our main text with one script, passage of the scripture. Let's read Hebrews. Let's see the opposite of what we, a spiritual person, mature person is. It says there is much more we would like to say about this, but it is difficult to explain, especially since you were spiritually what? Can you say that loud? Spiritually what? Dull and don't seem to what? The reason for spiritual dullness or lack of spiritual maturity is what? You do not listen. Listen does not mean you're not paying attention. It's you don't hear and do. You hear it, but you don't do it. You hear it, but you don't take it on and say, God, help me to do it. Move on. You have been believers for so long, and now that you ought to be what? Teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. Next. For someone, for someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Next line. Solid food is for those who are mature. That's the what we're looking for today. Who through what? Training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. I want to stress the word there in capitals. Through what? Training. Through training will be what he said earlier. They do not listen. So through training there will mean through hearing and doing, that is the training. That's how we mature. So when we hear love, do we love? When we hear forgive, do we forgive? When we hear have mercy, do we have mercy? All these things is what it takes to mature. When we hear study the word, do we study the word? When we hear speak to God, do we speak to God? Everything we hear that is the basics of our foundation of faith, our faith foundation, do we practice them? So that's the, that's the opposite. So, but even though Paul, let me say, show you another way Paul looked at it. Paul said in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, he says, when I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child, but when I grew up, I did what? I put away childish things. But even though Paul is saying I put away childish things, can I just quickly make clear to us, my focus today or our focus today is not what you're going to put away. It is what you're going to put on. That is our focus. 
let me say this this way, it is not what you, it's actually what you add to your spiritual life that makes you spiritually matured. Not what you put away. What you add to your spiritual life is what makes you grow in God, not what you are taking out of your life that makes you grow. Do we understand that or I need to explain it further? Okay? Because Amentex said that. Amentex said, add to your faith. Not reduce from what you've got. It says, add to your faith. How does this work? Don't worry about taking out something. God will do that. When you focus on what you're adding, John 15, Jesus said that, is the father that prunes. In John 15, the father will cut off. He will prune off. He will take out that which is not needed from us. But how does he do it? It's by adding to us. Jesus says, you have been purified by my word. So God adds to us. When he adds to us, that is what pushes out something. What do you mean by this? I'll give you an example. Brotherly affection, and I'm going to come to that towards the end again. When you start having affection for someone that you used to hate, you don't sit back and say, you know what, I hate this brother Simon. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to stop hating him. I'm stop hating him. I'm going to stop hating Simon. You could say that till the cows come home, you're not going to love Simon. But if I say, why do I even hate this guy? You know what, that's it. I'm going to buy him chocolate today. I'm going to give him this tomorrow. I start showing him affection, the hate disappears. So it's what you add that pushes away what you don't need. Does that make sense? Okay, help me to move on by saying yes to that. Yeah? Okay, thank you so much. So, based on that, if you don't mind having a phone or if you like tweeting, I'm going to give us a tweet. A, tweet, a tweetable quote from a pastor I started listening to recently, and I love, I'm still learning to listen to him. It's, it's not that easy, but yeah. So here it goes. Tweetable quote. Put the first page for me, please, if you don't mind. Thank you. It says what? It is not the, what, uh, sorry, it's not the bad things you hate in life that makes you more like God. It is the good things you love. Okay? It's the good things you love that makes you more like God. You could hate all you want. I hate this kind of people. I hate um, ISIS. I hate this. I hate that. That doesn't make you look like God. Do you understand what I mean? Doesn't. It's the good things you love. When you love good things... I didn't say you shouldn't hate bad things, by the way. But I'm saying that's not what makes you look like God. <laughs> Does that make, make sense? And, and the pastor is... Uh, next slide. Yeah, it's Pastor King. I'm learning to listen to him. It's not as easy. When you hear yourself on the radio or something, like... Ooh, you can testify, isn't it? <laughs> uh, it's not easy. But I'm, I'm getting used to listening to myself these days. 
Yeah. There's been one time at least I listened to myself, started crying. Now. The message was so good. <laughs> yeah, I wish it happens every day. <laughs> so, okay. So, let's go to the points for today. Okay? Here's the points for today. Something, because we're going to try to understand spiritual maturity. In order to understand it, I think the best way we're going to go for it is by asking questions. Okay? So, the point, what I call the points for today are basically the questions for today. All right? So there will be three questions. Let's look at those three questions. Number one, who is the standard of spiritual maturity? It's important we need to have a standard. Why is he or she, definitely, I know it's not Simon, why is he or she the standard? And then the next one, who can we, how, sorry, how can we be spiritually matured? So we're going to try to go through these questions together. Are you with me? Good, good. So, question number one, who is the standard of spiritual maturity? Ah, someone has just answered that straight away. You might as well just close this and let's go. No. We know it. It's Jesus. It can't be anybody else. Why is Jesus the standard? Before we go into that, let's see it. In, in the book of Luke, Jesus is the pure image of spiritual maturity. If you want to know anything about spiritual maturity, he's the only one to look at. Look, look um, yeah, it says Jesus grew in what? Wisdom. We learned about wisdom last week, didn't we? Knowing what to do, when to do it, how to do it, and when not, everything is doing everything right. Yeah? Good. So, but Jesus grew in what? Wisdom. And in stature, but watch this big one. This is the main one. He grew in favor with God and all, not some, all the people. I know you're going to say in your, in your mind, hang on a minute. Many times they try to kill him. Many times they try to crucify him. Even they actually did. So how could he have grown in favor with all the people? You get it? And I'll have an answer for that. So first thing first, we need to grow in favor with God and everyone, including your enemies, even though they're still going to accuse you. And you see what I mean by this. Watch this. So Jesus lived a life so worthy of honor before God and mankind. He obtained favor from everyone in such a way that those who accused him those who accused him could not really find the cause to accuse him. And that's the, what I mean by obtaining favor from your accusers. They will accuse you nonetheless, but they wouldn't have a reason to accuse you. You understand what I mean? Even Jesus at some point said in the book of John, he said, the prince of this world comes, but he's got nothing on me. Satan is coming for me, but he's got nothing on me. He's accusing me. These people are accusing me, but they've got nothing on me. So, being, gaining favor with man and every, uh, God and mankind does not mean you may not have enemies. It simply means that even if they accuse you, they won't have a reason to accuse you. Peter said that for, to us in 1 Peter chapter 2. He said, dear friends, I warn you as 
temporal residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wages war against your very soul. Be careful to live proper, properly among unbelievers, sorry, properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then, even if they accuse you for doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when, the, when he judges the world. Even as you are being accused, they've got their hands on your neck. You st they still can't find something wrong because you didn't strike back. Your honorable behavior in the, your accusation still speaks of loud about spiritual maturity. You're being denied what is rightly yours, but you still didn't take on arms and get back like Peter did. And Jesus said, listen, no, those who carry sword will die by the sword. This is why Jesus was teaching what he was teaching. If they slap you on one side, turn the other cheek. I know it's difficult to hear that. But that's the reason why we're not as matured as he was when he lived here on earth. And do not quickly jump to say he was God. No, no, no. Jesus lived here on earth as fully as man as he could be. Or else the scripture will not be saying this. He was tempted in every way. It's only a man can be tempted. You can't tempt God. Okay? You could try God, you test him, that's up to him. But God cannot be tempted by anything. He's super above everything. God will not be saying that Jesus was tempted like us and he did not fail if he was operating here on earth as God. That would be a lie. God would be dodgy. Do you understand what I'm saying? So Jesus lived like you and me here on earth in complete dependence to the Father. And that will be my next point. That leads us nicely to the next point. But before we go there, I want to mention another Twitterable quote. This says that spiritual gifts without spiritual maturity causes what? Spiritual confusion. Spiritual gifts without spiritual maturity causes spiritual confusion. What do you mean? Have you ever wondered when a Christian who's full of the gift of the Holy Spirit does something and you're like, and they say they are Christians? Yeah? And he said he's born again, but he just healed the sick. He just cast that demon. Gift of the Holy Spirit in, in quantum. He's just raised the dead. But he slaps you in anger. And when that happens, that lack of spiritual maturity happens, the next thing that goes through your mind is that, I don't, I, I, I don't understand it. How is it that he could be that way and at the same time be this way? Spiritual gifts... Without spiritual maturity causes spiritual confusion. And that's why people are struggling when they see pastors fail or anyone make a mistake 
or any vicar makes a mistake or priest or father and all those things. Why is that? The people are confused. Why? Because they're attributing spiritual gifts to being spiritual maturity and the two are not the same at all. You may have people who are spiritually, completely spiritually matured, but not even functioning so much in the spiritual gifts. Or even if they do, they hide it. You will never know. They are the kind of people maybe that will come and someone is being sick and they will just already prayed with Jesus and Jesus said, touch the person and they will be healed. And instead of coming and just making it obvious, they will just come and do this and just walk past. And that person gets healed, don't know why they got healed. But that person is so spiritually mature, they don't care. They don't, they don't want that attention at all. It doesn't matter. That's what spiritual maturity does to you. You come to the point where functioning in the gift of the Holy Spirit means nothing. What matters the most is the love for the people. It burns your heart and pains you to see people suffer because that's more important. Love consumes you than the showmanship that follows with gift of the Holy Spirit. That brings to question sometimes why we should be too moved when there's a lot of showmanship with the gift of the Holy Spirit. We should learn that those two things are not the same. Am I accusing and condemning people who show the gift of the Holy Spirit? No! I'm saying we need to learn to be matured in understanding this and not be confused. Don't be confused when people function so much in the gift of the Holy Spirit but they abandon you and they reject you and they don't love you. It's because they are not spiritually matured and I don't care how big their name is. We all need to be spiritually matured. Amen. Turn to someone and say, desire spiritual maturity above spiritual gifts. Say that to someone, please. Very important. Desire that more. Because that's what Paul was talking about in Corinthians 13. That's the end of Corinthians chapter 12 where he talked about the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is a far much better way, love. So why is Jesus, number two point, question number two, why is Jesus the standard of spiritual maturity? Each, when Jesus was here on earth, he lived like a man. I've already said that to us. But he didn't just do that. He lived like a man who met every expectation that God the Father had for, on him. Every expectation. So that's why he's the standard. Je, um, um, Matthew 3 verse 17. It says, and suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. In Mark 9, God said the same thing, but he says it in a different way. The, when the clouds overshadowed them, the voice from the cloud said, this is my beloved son, listen to him. He is the standard. He is the one to look up to. Let me say something that comes to mind now. Because I see sometimes men of God misbehave and they quote Paul to support their misbehavior. 
He, Paul is not the standard of spiritual maturity. Jesus is. I see sometimes people abandon people in church and walk away with them and don't care when people leave their church in a very angry way. And guess what they quote? Well, Paul and Barnabas disagreed, so they part ways. Paul is not the standard of spiritual maturity. If you're angry with a person, deal with your anger, forgive, be at peace, because that's what Jesus wants. He was at peace with everyone, including his enemies. Amen. We have got to aim for spiritual maturity and not settle for something less. Again, what you respect comes to you. If you don't respect that, if you don't desire it and say, God, make me like you. Jesus, I just want to be like you. Not like Pastor King or Pastor that or Pastor this. And there are great people who have done well. You could still learn from, don't get me wrong. But he is the actual standard. Because you follow someone to get to a point you see where they are also struggling, where they are not matured yet. Don't then start doing what they are doing. Remember Jesus is what? The standard. Amen. There are lots of people who have lived life here on earth who are brilliant, matured people, spiritually. I think about Mother Teresa. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. And this is what I'm talking about. How many signs and wonders and miracles did Mother Teresa do? How many? How many dead was she raising? back to life. So her fame and favor that she gained was not based on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It was based on the fruit of the Holy Spirit that was in her life. And it doesn't matter what denomination. Forget those things, those rubbish that separates us. Sorry, bear with me I'm a bit on the edge when it comes to church divisions and denominations. It doesn't matter whether you're Catholic, Pentecostal, Anglican. I don't care. If you profess Jesus, he is the standard. You're going to live like him. Amen. So, Mother Teresa is a good one to you can learn from. She lived in such a way she earned favor from her enemies. Even some Muslims will welcome Mother Teresa to their town because love covers multitude of sin. More love breaks in any crowd. Amen. I could also say maybe something good about Billy Graham. How many dead did he raise back to life? I don't know. Maybe he did, but we never hear of it. It's not, it's not part of his testimonies when he comes to preach. It doesn't even focus on how many people he prayed and they got healed. He focuses on Jesus. If you're struggling in life, Jesus will help you. If you're struggling, Jesus will help you. He never really told us most of his stories of how many miracles God has done through him. But my goodness, like Mother Teresa, did he go to everywhere in the world, including, again, his enemies. You will see some Muslim nations and some other religions will still welcome Billy Graham for counseling. That's what I mean by when I say Jesus did what? He, was, he, go, he grew in wisdom, he grew in stature, and he grew where? 
in favor with God and all the men. Mankind, not all the men, sorry, and women are <laughs> not included. Everyone. That is a picture of spiritual maturity. So Christ is what? The standard. How, and we're talking about how did he do it. Now listen to how he did it. It was simply by depending on the Holy Spirit. Remember, our text said, um, I read to us earlier, that the people who have spiritual dullness is because they do not listen. You get what I said? In Hebrews chapter 5, I read it to us. You become spiritually dull because you don't listen. The same would have happened to Jesus if the Holy Spirit tells him, pray for this person, and he doesn't. And the Holy Spirit tells him, wake up and let me talk with you, and he doesn't. He would have ended up being spiritually immature. So the same standard for everyone. Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit to do everything he did. He said, even went so far to tell us, the things I do, I do not do anything except the things I see my father do. He lived under a complete ordered life by the Holy Spirit. Amen. Everything he did was ordered by God. So that's how, sorry, that's why Jesus is the standard of spiritual maturity. Because of the Holy Spirit that he listened to. Third question and final question we want to answer today is how can we then be spiritually matured? I think you, you've already answered that if you're following this message and you are. It will be the same way Jesus was spiritually matured. I felt the only way I could explain this message was by answering the, these questions. Number one, who is the standard? So let's bring out the standard. Number two, why is, the sta why is that person the standard? Once you see why that person is the standard, any common, if you have common sense, you know that, oh, if I actually follow the way this person did it, I actually can achieve the same thing. Jesus is the standard, and the reason why he's the standard is because he followed the leadership of the Holy Spirit. So how can we then be spiritually matured? You tell me. Say it. Living life by the Spirit. Anytime we live in our fleshly desires and pulled by what we want in our flesh, we are more likely going to be as not matured as we ought to in those times. When someone comes to you and then you're trying to make peace with them, but they, in between that, they now say something that really hurts you somewhere in the flesh, and you're not able to apply self-control in that place, and then you let out a word or two out of the fleshly, um, you, know, your, you know, from your, just yourself, not the Holy Spirit. It just turns that relationship or turns that conversation to a different way, all of a sudden. And that person can hold you on that word you said. In that case, you cannot be honorable in the way you behaved. Because you're now giving your accuser a reason to accuse you. Having said that, God is merciful. 
So this message in any shape or form is not talking about going to heaven, please. Okay, I'm talking to people who are already bound <laughs> heavenward. We're already going to heaven. This, all this message is about is about being productive, more productive and useful here on earth, like Jesus was more productive and useful. Amen. So let's read Galatians chapter 5. Duke answered correctly. How can we be led by this? Sorry, how can we be spiritually matured by living, by being led by the Holy Spirit? Galatians says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Next. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to obey, obligation to the law of Moses. You're not obligated to do it when you are being led by the Spirit. The law, you live above the law because that law is under the Spirit, not above the Spirit. The law was given to mankind, not, not the Spirit. So any human being that is living by the Spirit lives above the law. Does that make sense? Oh... Uh, do I have time for theological explanations now? No, I don't. Galatians chapter 2, verse 23 says, verse 22 says, but the Holy Spirit produces these kinds of fruits in our lives, which is why this, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And it says what? It produces what? That is the main one. Every other thing you're seeing comes from here. But let's go with it anyway. And this is why I like this. Love does not fail. Why? Because love is God or God is love. This is eternal. This will last forever. You could build your life on this and you're built on a very strong foundation. Build your life on love. The Holy Spirit produces love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. Verse 23 says um, gentleness and self-control. And he says it again, there is no law against these things. The law cannot fight these things. Why? Because these things is God. The law cannot fight against the nature of God. The Holy Spirit produces means this is what he does. This is his nature. So a taster, or sorry, a sign for spiritual maturity is the fruits of the Holy Spirit. And that's why the message title is called Spiritual Maturity, Fruits of the Holy Spirit. Brethren, may I ask us please to always measure people 
not based on how jumpy their worship is or explanation of the word of God is or quotation of scriptures is or how many sick they healed. Do not attribute people you follow or think that they are like Christ to be those kind of things. We've done those things in the past, but we know better now. The people you want to see to be like Christ and you want to say he is like Jesus are people who are showing these attributes. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, patience, faithfulness. That is the signs. Those are the signs of spiritual maturity. Amen. Is that very clear? I believe God allowed me to take time, or I needed to take time to explain this very well. So let me just give you also one more tweetable quote as we close this message. It says, growing and operating in the fruit of the Holy Spirit is a sign of spiritual maturity. Take note, I say growing and operating. I didn't just say operating, which means you've already arrived. No, there's a journey. Our text says the more you grow like this, okay, so we're not, we're, we're maturing, but that's the aim, that's the standard, and that's where we want to all be, okay? Now, um, in conclusion, I just want to leave us with that clear thinking that we are supposed to be led by the Spirit, okay? That's the main thing here. So don't start, go home now and start thinking, hey, no, I'm going to be matured, I want to be matured, spiritual, I want to be matured. No, 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 you freak yourself out and then you, you hurt yourself. That's not what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to say, if you go home now and say, start saying, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to say? In this situation, how should I react? In my workplace, how should I react? In this bad situation, how should I, what should I do? When I hear a word, from you in the church or even on the telly or from reading the scripture what should I do spiritual maturity this brings to mind let me read a quick scripture because I want to explain and I think Dave Smith will story will help me explain the scripture Ephesians chapter 4 it says but that is what sorry but that isn't what you learn about Christ since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and the former way of life which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, what should you do? Let the Spirit renew your thoughts, thoughts and attitude. Let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitude. Put on your new nature created to be like God. Like God, truly righteous and holy. Each time we allow the Holy Spirit to renew our thoughts, that is a step towards spiritual maturity. It starts from just the thoughts. Yeah? It starts from what? The thoughts. When you think about something right, then your attitude changes. When you think the right things, your attitude changes. Can I just say that again? When you think about the right things, your attitude changes. 
Dave Smith, I think I shared this not so long ago, the other day when we, three weeks ago I even mentioned it, but I didn't go full into it and I still don't have the time to share it again. <laughs> but when I was speaking about love, probably the message came through to him and he got the message that God is just talking much about love. And that started changing the way he's thinking. Although it, it made him start asking questions rather than get into it because he wants to understand, first of all. I'm a Christian, but I don't have affection for people. That was it, what he said to me. Yeah? But at least he's asking questions because the Holy Spirit is not allowing him to just carry on that way. From the thoughts, we had a conversation and when we had that conversation, prayed about it, he allowed the Holy Spirit to change the way he's thinking about it. It wasn't long after this. Again, this young man shared a testimony of how God is now igniting love in his heart for people. Not just for his own family, but for everyone. How did it start? The Holy Spirit gave a word. He received the word. The word made him ask questions like Mary. How can this be, seeing that I know no man? For him, how can this be, seeing that this is not necessarily my temperament? I'm not necessarily that kind of a person. And we came to the point that it doesn't matter if you're not that kind of a person or not. This is what the Word of God said when we had the conversation. And he accepted the Word of God and the Holy Spirit changed his thinking. It wasn't longer, almost a week later or two, a changed man. In that area, he's growing, but that is a picture, again, of maturity. So I chose to use people you know, and you could relate with to see what I'm saying. How does this happen when we listen to the Holy Spirit, and then we do what he's asking us to do? You mature. So if you're listening to this message and you're thinking, oh my goodness, there's a message that just condemns us and makes me feel like I'm not matured at all. No. Don't hear that. What I'm saying is that the fact that you spotted an area where you're not matured, that's good news. It's actually good news to know the right thing that you have a, a problem. Now what you need to do is to just listen to the Holy Spirit. That's all. In that area. If it's anger, listen to the Holy Spirit. Let him add love or calmness and long-suffering. Instead of stopping the anger, just add self-control and the anger will go.